Well, get your Bibles and go out to Isaiah 43. Amen. How many of y'all enjoyed Sunday morning? I did. I did. I know that what we were talking about was extremely prophetic. Um, Boy, I wish sometimes I could tell you everything that goes on. Um, There is a thing called divine dissatisfaction. Do y'all know what that is? You ever had, um, Brother Hagen called it, washing your feet with your socks on? (laughs) You you know, in other words, you know something's not right. You don't know what it is. There is a shift that has been happening in the body of Christ now for a while. And, you know, people have picked up on this, and I think some of them have gone maybe in a, I'm going to say a wrong direction with it. But there is a shift and it's, I'm going to call it a new season because, you know, there are seasons in the body of Christ. There are seasons. And, and even, though, even though, you know, I, somebody made a statement one time and they said, Pastor, you know, what's the Lord saying this year? And I said, the same thing he said last year. Well, and, and generally, that's true. Okay. But, but then the Lord began to teach me there really are seasons in time, the season, and we'll talk about that in a minute, there was a season when God went and got the children out of Egypt. That was something God was doing that was new, and he took them out of Egypt and took them to the promised land, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But in the body of Christ, there are seasons, and I don't know about you guys, how y'all do things. We do things in Florida very different than, than I did when I lived in Georgia. So here's the thing that I did, and some of y'all relate to this. Every fall, you get your flannel shirts out. Now you can get them out. Just lay them on the bed. You'll never need them. But just get them out anyway. Or your sweaters. And if you have wool ones, you can just sit and look at them. But uh, and maybe we can have an ugly sweater day, and you can wear it. We'll drop this air condition in the church or something. But but when you live other places, there literally are seasons. And, and you know, Lisa... She loves to swim in her pool. That girl, I think she's a mermaid. I really think she's a mermaid. She eats fish, shrimp, and swims all the time. And I mean, one year she says, what I said, what do you want for Christmas? She goes, a pool heater. I'm going, Lord, why? She goes, I swim all year, you know. So anyway, I said, well, it'll get hot in June. It'll heat up in July. But, um, but, you know, there are seasons in our home and our life, and, and things change. The church has been going through a season, and if you're not careful, you'll miss it, and you'll try to stay in a season. You'll try to stay there, and things won't work. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that. Isaiah 43, we read this Sunday morning. I read it out of the Message Bible, I think. 18, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now you could read that and take it personal. You could read that and say God's doing something and, and maybe, maybe, you wouldn't, maybe you'd be right. But I think, I think there's a, something I want to talk about tonight. 
is that there is a season in the body of Christ that we've entered into that's extremely different than every season we have ever been in in America and in, and in the body. Now, let me give you an example. Let me say that. Let me say it another way. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel had a time they went down into Egypt. That was a season. And, and Moses went and got them out. Now, e Egypt we call the land of not enough. They never had enough uh, straw for their bricks. There was never enough food. And it was a land of not enough. And, and then he brought them out into the desert. The desert was another season in Jewish history. And, and we call that the land of of, um, well, of just enough. In other words, they didn't lack anything, but they didn't have any extra. Or, so we would say it was the land of just enough. They had food, but we wouldn't say they had extra. They had water, uh, we wouldn't say they had extra. They had covers, but that, you know, the children of Israel just existed. They were eating manna for breakfast and manna for lunch and manna for dinner. The same, you know, what's on the menu? Manna. You know, there's not a lot to go by, but they didn't die. And so we call that the land of just enough. And then there came a day when Moses stepped out of the way, Joshua took over, and he took them into the promised land or what we call the land of more than enough. And that was another season in, in time for the Jews. Now, um, we also could look at it this way. There was a time when the anointing was on them. Then there was a time when the anointing um, was in them. And then there came a time when God had the anointing work through them. Those are seasons. And I think that I think the body of Christ is in a season. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. I think also in time, we went from a season where God healed. Then I think something that people missed is he took them into a season of health. More than come be healed. I think, the, I think the season we're in is a season called deliverance. Where God is using us to get people healed. And I think, that, I think we need to pay attention to this. Now let me read another one to you. There was a time when, when the people, uh, children of Israel were sinners. They came out of the promised land into the desert. They were servants. And they came in the promised land, they became sons. Go to Psalm 105, and let me show you, let me show you what I mean by this. Let me, let, let's get an analogy going here. Because if you, if you want to be in the will of God, you got to know what he's doing. Now, I don't, I don't, I mean, there will always be an overlap of every season. Y'all do know that. You can't say, well, let me, let me give you this before I get started. Let me, let me read it to you this way. Let me read it to you another way. There was a season in America where God greatly, greatly emphasized salvation. He, uh, we had Billy Graham crusades. We had Billy Sunday. We had John Wesley. America went through a time where the primary 
thing that God was emphasizing was the new birth. Come out of darkness and be born again. But, but somewhere in that time zone, things changed in America. And the next thing that came along was what was known as the healing revivals. Now, I remember when I was a kid watching Oral Roberts with that big silver um, microphone, and he would sit in a chair. I was listening to uh, someone the other day, and they were talking about how Oral, if you go on YouTube, you can get like uh, 15, 20 minutes of a sermon, but he always preached two to two and a half hours. That was a different season, wasn't it? And he said the, the sermons were, were very, very long, and the crusades were very long, and, and he sat in a chair and prayed for every person in the building individually. And I mean, it was an all-day affair. But if you went and you went back in time and you saw it, there are, there are places where he had, and there's one of them that they were talking about the other day at one of the meetings I went to, where a boy came up with polio who had never walked. And um, he's standing in front of Oral, and Oral, you know, he did something. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do this today at all. Took the boy's braces off and set the boy on his lap and began to rub his legs. And the, and the little boy jumped down and took off running. The crowd went crazy. But, you know, those was a season in America, and... Um, and if I, don't, I've, I'm, I, I love to read. I love to read. So I read a lot of books on the healing revivals uh, with Jack Coe and, and ripping tumors off of people's faces. And you read about these things. And there's even a program on Believer's Voice of Victory where they, where they talk about the revivals that have come and gone. And the men and the women of God, Catherine Kuhlman was another one. And people would flock to these places, and, and they'd come out healed. Now, those ended. You know, and I've always, you know, and, and healing didn't end. And, that, and that's kind of why I'm preaching this tonight. Because we, we, I'm not saying that you couldn't get healed by the, by the word before that. And I'm not saying you can't get healed by healing evangelist after that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that God had a season where he said, we've talked about the new birth, but I've got more I want you to experience in God. And so a healing revivals came and evangelists came, but that season ended. And, and, and maybe I shouldn't say it ended. Maybe I should say that he added to it. Wouldn't that be a better way? But we don't see the healing evangelists traveling around in tents anymore. Not like we did, we do overseas. So the next thing that came along was the charismatic renewal. At that time in church history, God began to emphasize greatly the gifts of the Holy Spirit again. Not just in, in Oral Roberts, not just in, in you know, an occasional church. But this is a time when Dennis Bennett began to preach and people began to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I know, I know this church right here, Word of Life, whether you know this or not, started down at Lockhart United Methodist Church. And uh, Pastor Jed, Jed, did I say it right, Jed? 
Jed McGay got filled with the Holy Ghost and got all these Methodists filled with the Holy Ghost and they came up and started Word of Life. This church was birthed out of the charismatic renewal. Because churches, God started filling people, not just Pentecostals, with the Holy Ghost. Methodists, I mean, Episcopalians, Catholics, Baptists started speaking in tongues, and they didn't feel comfortable in a Pentecostal church, and they just started their own. So a charismatic renewal began in America. And I guess I could say, I won't say it petered out. I guess we say that God added to it. But, but the emphasis shifted. God had a time when he shifted emphasis, and we entered a time when people like Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland began what was called the faith and word movement. And, and I'm going to tell you the primary reason for that. The body of Christ up until that time was ignorant of their Bibles, they didn't, you, the average person, they didn't know who they were in Christ. They didn't, they didn't know they had any authority over the devil. They didn't know that they were new creations. You know, they were just going, you know, if you wanted to get healed, the only way to get healed was to get in a crusade. They didn't know that by his stripes you were healed. So, so the Lord began, I'm going to call it a movement. And, and I'm, and I'm going to say this because you have to hold on. Because anytime you say something like that, I don't mean that he stopped everything. In other words, he's just coming along and saying, I think there's another layer on this cake I want to give you guys. I, wanna, I got something, there's more to me than you guys are hearing. But you know, we're kind of slow. So we went through a season called faith in the Word of God and Word. And teaching became the primary uh, Joyce Myers rose up, Kenneth Copeland started teaching the Bible. It, it wasn't like you went to a, a, a crusade downtown with Joyce and thousands of people got saved. People got saved you know, in her meetings and they got born again and healed in the meetings. And, but, but it was really more around you growing up and you learning to walk with God. And that's what it was about. And, and so I think that season is either ending or God's got another layer he's added to it now. And I think that layer, and I'm going to explain to you why he's doing it, because every time God does something new, there's always people that, that we just want to keep it the same way it's always been. And they don't necessarily like changing. People don't like to change. I'm being honest with y'all. It, it is real difficult to stand up in church and go, we're changing something. They go, oh, we always did it that way, you know. And, and so I just think there's a new emphasis that God is placing, and you're going to start hearing it. I'm gonna, let me say this. You're going to hear it whether you want to or not. It's coming whether you like it or you don't like it. All right, now here's the emphasis, and here's why. Oh boy, oh boy. Let's go to Psalm 105. Let me back up. Let me, let me stop right there and, and let, me, let, let me start building my case. Psalm 105, verse 26. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They performed signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. 
He sent darkness and he made it dark and they didn't rebel against his word. He turned the waters into blood and killed their fish and their land abounding with frogs, even the chambers of their kings. He spoke and there were swarms of flies and lice in their territory and gave them hail and rain and a flaming fire in the land. He struck the vines also, the fig trees, splintered the trees in their territory, spoke and locusts came and locusts came without number and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of the ground and destroyed the firstborn and all of their strength. Now, aren't you glad that he's not still doing that? <laughs> aren't you glad that was a season? But what was that for? God used that. He raised a man up named Moses to go into, go into the, um, Egypt and get his people out. So we went through that in America where God raised up men to preach the gospel and to get his people out of the world and get them born again. And we saw that. We saw the revivals in America. I've read about them. Um, wouldn't it be neat? I've always wanted to have a time machine. I really do. Well, I just think it would be the coolest thing in the world to go back in time and, and to really meet some people you read about because I want my, in my imagination, I have a picture of them, but I really would like to, you know, I can read their stories, but I can't pick up their personality like if you can sit and talk to them. So anyway, I just, I, it's kind of a pet thing of mine. I like, I love, I love history. When I was in high school, I used to sit and read history books for pleasure. My teacher caught me one day and said, what are you reading, Daryl? And I said, history. And she goes, are you serious? She gave me an A just because I was reading a history book for fun. It just, I love Paul Revere. I love the stories. I, uh, I don't know whether you all know this or not, but Paul Revere was writing to his pastor's house. And the pastor of the church is the first people that started the Revolutionary War. You, you thought it was, yeah, it was the church was preaching against tyranny. And they got the, 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 the um, Constitution came out of sermons that were being preached. And they're the ones that said, you know what, we would rather die, a sla die free than live a slave. And so what the British were coming to confiscate their Glocks and their ARs. Makes you think, doesn't it? All right. Now, verse 37, and he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not a feeble among their tribes, and Egypt was glad when they departed. I want you to notice something, that everybody that came out of Egypt was healed. I mean, there's three million people, and there's not even a feeble old woman in the group that can't walk. That's the old covenant. So, so he brought him out, and, and we definitely know he did something new. But, but they left Egypt, and they went out into the desert, and even, even though they survived, the, the conditions were not what we would call ideal. I mean, they're, they're not in bondage, that's for sure. Thank God for that. But, 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 but you know, during the day, they've got a... Uh, a cloud over their head to keep them cool. At night, they got a fire to keep them warm. And everything was supernatural. Did they have to use faith? Actually, they did not. 
You see, going into the promised land was the first time they had to use their faith. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm glad that we're talking about this. So, so anyway, go, go to Joshua 5.12, and I want you to see this in your Bible. I want you to read this scripture. got to find it now I should mark my Bible now here's a cool here's a cool 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 scripture now one of the things that you when you get to when you go to Israel and I, I want you know Betty I want I want everybody to go with me I want to shut the whole church down and put everybody on a plane and everybody go to Israel and we just have church there I, that would be fun but all of my Christian life, I always thought the children of Israel came in to the promised land from the south. And they didn't. They came in from the east. They came around the base of the promised land. And they came into Israel midway up. They came through a mountain pass. Um, and they, and they came into where Jericho was. And Jericho was halfway between the Dead Sea and, uh, and the Golan Heights. And that's where they crossed in and, and came in to, um, to Jericho. Jericho is still there now. And it is a filthy, filthy city. It, it, you know, it's, you, when you drive through it, you, you're like, oh, and it's not Jewish. That's enough. That's just, well, just, you got to go. You got to go. The, 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 the tree was the wee little man, the wee little guy. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. They showed us his tree. It's big now. It's a really big tree right now. But anyway, they showed us. That's where Zacchaeus was when he, it was just fun. It's just so much fun. So let's read this in, in, in Joshua. You notice I'm trying to sell tickets, don't you see? <laughs> Joshua 5, 12. Now, now, the children of Israel have come into the promised land. And let's read 11. And they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. And the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So the moment that they had um, uh, the food from the land, they didn't have a need for manna. Now, I'm going to say something that church people, it, it befuddles you. Because we're st there's so many people in the body of Christ right now trying to get a healing the way God did it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those were sinners. Uh, are y'all listening? Are y'all see? I'm trying. If I don't explain this to you, you're going to go through life thinking that it's all one big ball of wax, and it is not. There was a season 
in Israel life, when, when the children of Israel, in the days of Jesus when he walked the earth, everybody he ministered to was not saved. They didn't have a covenant. They, didn't, they weren't new creations in Christ. Our covenant is better than theirs. And one of the things that the men of God have tried and tried and tried to emphasize over and over and over is you're the healed, you're the healed, you're the healed. And yet we still have people in church trying to get a hold of the hem of Jesus' garment. And it frustrates you. It frustrates me. Because, because we'll have people come up and they want the anointing to heal them like they're a sinner. And God's not doing that with you. And, and it, you, can, you can disagree if you want to, but it doesn't matter. Thank y'all. Y'all are so in. Y'all, y'all I'm, I'm going to have to use my faith right now because y'all don't look good. My God, we just want it to always be. I just want to come to church and pray and, and the anointing come on you like it did back when old Roberts was here. Glory to God, we need to pray. No, God is moving. He's not doing it the way he did when Oral Roberts was here. You didn't know who you were. You didn't know what belonged to you. You didn't know anything about the authority of the believer. God has taken you from glory to glory to glory. And, and, and to get into this next phase, you're going to have to get over even the faith message. I didn't say throw it away. Oh, come on, y'all. Yeah, okay. When they came into Israel, the man of the, the, the God doing everything for you stopped. Come on. I mean, come on. I mean, like Christmas said, it's another level. It's another place in God. And he's not demoting you and I. Listen, if something's odd, odd. About a 30-year-old at home waiting on mommy to make my... That's not right. It's not right, guys. It's wrong. Mommy, mommy. And yet you hear stories. You hear about the boy up in New York that was suing his parents... Because they threw him out of the house at 30 years of age. And I'm so glad that he had a judge with a brain in his head. Because he fined the little 30-year-old punk. It's, I got a right to my bedroom. It ain't your bedroom, Bubba. And you have no idea how hard it is to pastor today. Because every week you want to stay. Day. You want to go over the same sermons over and over and over. And I'm, and I'm going to say this, take it off the tape. I'm tired of preaching the same things over and over and over and over. 
I'm getting bored out of my ever-loving mind preaching on Mark 11, 23 and Jesus talking to the fig tree. My God, get it. Let's go do something for God. Are you serious? We've been doing this for 20, 30 years. We've been walking around out here eating this manna. I want some, I want some grain from the pro. I want to go into more than enough, not just enough. All right, now, yeah, I know, y'all are getting it. Y'all, at least I'm being like, well, yeah, this is the right crowd. I thought for a minute, I thought for a minute, I'm in the wrong church. But, but you know that they got up in the morning and went and looked for a manna burger, and it just wasn't there. And they went out and went, Where, where's the food? And, and Joshua said, well, you're going to have to go over there and get that wheat. And it, Wheat? What's that? Well, we tried some. It was dry. Well, you got to grind it. Grind it. And then what do we do? Well, you're going to have to bake it. You're going to have, yeah, get some olive oil. Put, well, I put a little honey in mine. I put honey in mine. I put virgin olive oil in mine. I put a little yeast in mine. I, and, and man, I make the best wheat bread you ever ate in your whole life. Make you want to slap somebody. And it comes out of the oven, it's hot, and you slice it. And you put real butter. Don't you ever put no margarine on no good bread. Long. You put butter on it, you just let it soak through. And you don't have to put nothing on it because I've already got honey in it. You just eat it. And Lisa comes in and goes, you eat that whole loaf? I said, yes. She goes, oh, oh, oh. I said, well, there's another one over there for you. Well, that lied because I eat half that one too. Don't ever eat one Saturday night because next day is Sunday and that's not good <laughs> to have all that magnesium in your system when you wake up and you got to preach. But anyway, um, I shouldn't have told you all that. That's private information. <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, now they've got to make bread. They've got to get the grapes. They've got to smash them. There's work. And when we hear the word work, in the New Testament, people freak out. Faith is a substance of what you hope for. And if faith worketh by it, worketh by love. And faith without works is dead. If there's no corresponding actions to your faith, then you don't even know what faith is. Nobody wants to take the word and masticate it and study it and read it and turn the word into bread. And, and they don't, they don't want to do that. They just want to come and, you know, pastor, pray for me. And I'm going, well, what scripture are you on? Well, you know, that one over there you preached on. Now, don't. Hey, let, let me tell you something. You, you ought to know better than that. We've been, preach, we've been talking about this for 30 years. And the sad thing is, is we're fixing to move again. We're fixing to go to another place in God. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Now, you're going, to, you're going to love it, and you're going to look at me like, are you serious? Are you serious? Look at Matthew 4.19. I got I to build up to this. At least I got y'all going with me. I hope I don't lose you. I won't lose you in Jesus' name. I'll use my faith. Now, now, now you know, it's amazing that, that we still... Are living in Matthew 4 19. Okay. Now let's read it. 
And Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He's talking to Peter. Now, he, now we're gonna, I'm going to show you in a minute. That's not what he said to Peter at the end of his life. His commandment to Peter changed. You had a day in your life when Jesus said, follow me and I'm going to make you. But you're, we're not there. We, we, that, was, that was a long time ago. How long have you been saved, Art? 74. 74. Diane, how long have you been saved? 2004? Betty May, 18 what? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> 19 what? No, I'm teasing. I can, I can tease Betty. She's the only one I can tease. She, she, she won't kill me. You have no idea. She's God's granddaughter. Don't worry, Lisa's also. Lisa got saved in so many times she don't know which one took. And she went forward every time uh, Roy Harthen preached, she went forward. She wanted to make sure it was working. I said, when would you get saved? She said, I really don't have any idea. So... So uh, she's just hoping when she gets there that she really is, you know. Um, no, I'm teasing. You never went forward? Oh, I thought you did. Now that's the problem. Now I know. Now we know how to pray. She's never been to the old rugged cross. Oh, Lisa got filled with the Holy Ghost and said, I guess I must be saved at some point, I must have gotten saved because God filled me with the Holy Ghost. But, but anyway, I was talking to Harley Fiddler one time. It was really funny. It's really funny. Harley Fiddler is an old-time Methodist. And one day, him and I were talking at a restaurant, and he said, you know, I love that song, The Old Rugged Cross. And uh, it goes like, the cross before me, the world behind me. I said, Harley, that song is wrong. And he said, well, I'm old Methodist. I know it's not. I've been singing that song all my life. And I said, yeah, but you're wrong. I said, Harley, how long are you going to stay at the cross? You should be singing, the cross behind me, the world before me. I said, I go to the cross and get saved and get back out there, go back and go preach the gospel. Now you see where we're going. All right, and you can, you can see a little bit. I'm giving you a little bit. I'm giving you a little bit. Go to John. Mm, boy, I didn't even write this down. So um, 21. I hope you can read my, I hope you can read that. If you can't, Betty, then I'm sorry. John 21. Let's read this. I want you to see this. I'm trying to build a case for you to see that just because he said something to you 10, 15 years ago, he might have something else to say to you. And that's, that's my point. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I'm a very strong word man. The word, the word, the word. And always have been. Holy Spirit's been challenging me, and I've been preaching on this. 
but what did the Holy Ghost say to you? That's where he's starting to shift the body back to a move of the Spirit and Word. We're not dumping the Word. But you and I have got to learn. I'm going to show you a scripture in a minute. I'm going to show you a scripture in a minute in the book of Acts, and it'll prove what I just said. And I'm going to show you what the Holy Ghost is doing in the body. If you know this, you're going to come to church excited. Because the things are going to start shifting. Okay, okay. John 21. Let's, 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 six. Peter said, I'm going back fishing. He, we, we, we know that what he meant was I'm going back to fishing for a living. Jesus comes up and says, cast that on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. You've got to be here Sunday morning to have because I went into this in great detail. So he cast, and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Sider heard that, it was the Lord. He put his outer garment on, for he had removed it. Remember I told you why they did that. And plunged in the sea. And the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net of fish with him. And there was a coal of fires. Only men eat fish for breakfast. And Lisa. He said, bring some of the fish which you have caught. And Simon Peter went and dragged the net in the land full of 153 fish. And he said, come and eat breakfast. And hallelujah. And he took the bread and gave it to him. And, and verse 15. And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus turned to Simon Peter and said, follow me. And I'll make you a fisher of men. Right? No. That's not what he said to Peter. He said something totally different to Peter. Come on, let's just support. This is extremely, extremely important, what I'm fixing to say. And I want you to get it. Because if not, you're going to try to stay where you've been. And I'm not saying you're leaving it. I'm saying we're just, we're just at God's adding to the cake. All right. He said, now listen to what he says. Simon, do you love me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm fixing to say something right now. I want, I'm going to say something massively important. In 1 John it says, if you love the Lord, keep his commandments. Listen to me. If you don't keep his commandments, you don't love God. I'm not, I'm not saying that God doesn't love you. I'm saying it's time for the body of Christ to start loving him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, we, uh, every Sunday, we want to hear another sermon on how much God loves me. That's, we've been doing that for 30 years. Yeah. We got that. We should have that down. And it's time to go from follow me to I have something I want you to do. Do you love me? And then what did he say to him? He's talking about other people. Uh, now listen to what I'm about to say, and don't, don't, the faith message is pure, raw, unadulterated selfishness. It's all about me, and, and, and that's fine. When your kids are five and six, it's about you, and, but, but when you get old enough to get married, it's no longer about you. You have to grow up, and God is taking the body of Christ away from me, 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 and
and emphasizing, do you love me? Then I've got an assignment for the church today where you're no longer going to start keep hearing sermons about you, you, you. Now let me prove it to you. One of the coolest things, when I first started pastoring this church, the Lord said to me, build a base. And I'm going to tell you something, for a while I struggled with that term, build a base. And one day, not long ago, he said to me, my statement, I have not recanted that. That means that our church will not look like other people's churches. So when, when, the, when the ladies went down to Honduras, I was thrilled. And Justin told me that he's going to be videoing um, Teresa and, uh, and Rosa and Betty and who? Shirley. Because there's a lot of things happened that they didn't tell us. We, yeah, we, and, and really... You need to know what happened. What happened? The Holy Ghost is taking the body of Christ full circle back to what his full intention was in the first place to get you saved, filled, full of the word, full of faith, so that you will be a vessel of honor so that God can use you. It's time for us to start loving God instead of just hearing about how much God loves me. And you do that by serving one another. You do that because the emphasis is going to start being on those outside the church. And, and I'm going to say something here and, and I'm, I'm going to call it something and you can you can kind of throw throw something at me or whatever you want to. We have entered a new generation, and I'm going to call it the Todd White generation. What happened with the sin? What is what is happening with the Holy Ghost? The younger generation is picking up. Now, let me say something to y'all. They are tired of your Christianity. They not only want to see God, they want to be used by God. They don't want to read about it anymore. They don't want to see on the front. They don't want to sit in a chair and watch some special preacher come in and everybody get healed in them here. They want to do this thing. Are y'all getting this? My whole night was on this one point. The Holy Ghost is bringing the church back because there is 7 billion people on the planet and our method of Christianity has not been working. It's been working for the church, but it hasn't done much or nothing outside this church. And now God is starting to bring even me preachers back to emphasize, and I'm doing a new thing. You guys can't buck that. All right, go to the book of Acts. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you another scripture. Are y'all okay? 
Uh, Acts chapter 4. Now, listen to what he said to me. I'm raising up a new breed. Acts 3, Acts 3. I said 4. We'll go to Acts 3. I'm in Acts 3. We go, we'll go to 4 in a minute. Now, 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 don't forget this scripture. Write, just put, a, put yellow under it and red under it and green around it and, and just and, and get a hold of this. In Jesus' name, get a hold of this. Um, this is after... This is after Jesus looked at Peter and said, we're not in the land of follow me. We're now in the land of Peter. You feed my sheep. Yes. Now, now listen, Peter has entered in to the final phase of, his, of what Jesus had for him. And the book of Acts is a, is a type and shadow of the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not. Thank you. Oh, all right. Now, uh, 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 chapter 3, verse 3. And he seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple and said, ask for alms. And he fixed his eyes on him with, and said, look at us. And he gave his attention expecting to receive something from him. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. I like what Andrew said. I didn't have my wallet with me today. It wasn't that he was broke. But look at this scripture. But what I have. What I have, what I have, what do you have, what do you have? See, the, the, we, went from, we went from Oral Roberts having something, and we went from Catherine Kuhlman and Benny Hinn having something. Thank God for that. We went from Brother Hagen and Kenneth Copeland having something to learning lately how to walk by faith, but we've been learning we have something. The, and I'm not saying we'll never have a healing line again if the Holy Ghost, but the emphasis on church has to go from information to transformation. God is working in the body of Christ, taking us to a place to where like Philip went down the city of Samaria and preached Christ to him. Or he called Ananias and said, I got a guy over here in a house blind and I need you to go talk to him. He wasn't an apostle or nothing. He's just a church guy. Now, I'm going to say something, and please, it's not a lack of compassion. Please, it's not. Um, I, when, when you guys are in the hospital, I mean, I, I love y'all. I want to come. I want. But I wish to God one of y'all would get there before me and text me and say, don't worry about it. We already got there. They're Okay. Now, now, I called this the Todd White generation. I'm going to tell you why. Todd White, and I don't know what the thing with the dreadlocks is. That's, my question is, how do you wash your hair when it looks like it's a rat's nest? That, and I'm not saying his hair is not cool. I'm just jealous because I can't do that. I really can't do that. Okay. But, but, but you know, aside from that, you, I want you to think about this. They went in the streets and got this guy born again. And they brought him to church and they set him down. And he sat and watched the pastor praying for people. And he said, why can't I do that? Are y'all hearing me? 
All the rest of the people were there content, the pastor doing it. And we got a guy sitting there with dreadlocks that looks like somebody the dog drug in the cat wouldn't eat. And he's wanting to be used by God. Now, for all that, let me tell you about I love to hear him preach. And I'm actually getting to where I can look at him. But I'm going to tell you, he loves God. He loves Jesus. That man loves Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, it, it, it does something in my heart to watch him walk up to sinners and compassion is flowing out of this man for these people that are not saved. See, he still remembers what it was like when he got saved and he's back out there, but he's not just sharing a little message of come to Jesus, Roman road stuff. He's like, if you're deaf, God will heal you. If you're lame, God will. And he's out there. He's, he's a generation of what I have. And the younger generation is watching him. And they're not going to hang around for your brand of Christianity. They don't want to sit in here on a Wednesday night and hear me teach more scriptures to over fat Christians. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm, the, the, when I, when the, I told Rosa, I said, you're just getting started. I think this church is just getting started. Yeah. I, and I'm going I'm to stop right now and share with you something going on inside of me. I love pastoring. I love preaching. But man, is it fun to go to Israel and talk to people and get them born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. It, it's, it's the front lines is the place to be. I mean, find us, find a hell hole and dive in it. <laughs> and that's so uncharismatic, isn't it? So I'm going to tell you all a story. When I, when, when I, got born again and the Lord called me to Rama. You, you have an idealistic mindset and maybe it's a little romantic about ministry. I did. I had a very romantic, well, you're listening to Copeland and it's, it's just all wonderful. And you're here going, oh, yeah. So I went to Raymond, heard Brother Hagen's stories, and then I left and I came here and I got a youth group. God was it, a holy hell hole. I had two homosexuals. I had a boy and a girl in it that had more sex in a week than I did in a year. I mean, every time I turned around, they were leaving the youth group and headed for the bushes. I mean, just a little heathen. I, I don't even want to tell you about the rest of them. I mean, they were a mess. I was going to tell you all a story, and I better not. <laughs> Their parents were heathen, and they raised these kids, and they were just, they, I wouldn't say they were just wicked, but more just dumb. Dumb little heathen, smoking dope and drinking and 
and, and my idealistic, romantic ideas went away. I'm preaching to these teenagers, and they picked up acorns and started throwing them at me. Well, I did the pastoral thing, and I kicked the boy out of the chair and threatened his life and told him if he told his parents, I'd kill him. And, and, you know, I just had about enough of this rude little bunch of brats you've ever seen in your life. And I thought this, y'all, this is not what I, I didn't sign up for this. That's what I'm thinking. And one day, I'm walking, I'm, I'm, I'm living in an apartment complex over here in Fern Park. And you know how in an old apartment complex, when the asphalt gets bad, it kind of turns to pea gravel? You know, I mean, it's just bad asphalt. It's all it is. It's just little rocks are laying everywhere. And I've got a, uh, uh, I'm, I work eight hours a day as a maintenance man, and I live there for free. That's how I got my apartment and a, and a job, and now I'm a youth pastor. And I moved here and got this job. So, so I'm standing there, and I got a clipboard where I'm headed to the next apartment to fix something that's broke. And I heard someone walk up behind me. And I mean, I heard them walk up. I mean, it's... And I'm thoroughly expecting to see someone. And I turned. And I went, I know somebody just walked up here. And I picked up my clipboard and someone got me in their arms and got my shoulder and pulled me up. So I guess I looked weird because I'm doing, I'm standing there and all of a sudden someone's hugging me and I went. And I guess it's the Lord. And he said, I sent you here because I have a problem. That's why you're here. And, and, he's, and he said something that really ministered to me he said I sent you because I know you can fix this I never thought about fixing nothing I just was trying to get them to just be like Rama. you know in Rama, everybody loves the Lord but Orlando is not Tulsa at all so he said that to me, and it ministered to my soul that, wait a minute, those crazy kids is why I'm here. I've got homosexuals and perverts and sex maniacs and dirty mouth kids, and he's gotten me there to turn their life around, and I did. Good news. Lisa will tell you this is the truth. And when I finally left Tom's, I looked at the living room one night and I, I just wept. I stood there and I wept because every kid in that room was sitting in my living room worshiping God and praying in the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit were operating and they were getting their friends saved. And that night I'm standing in my living room and the, and the Holy Ghost said, well, you're done here. And I thought, am I getting fired? And he said, no, I have another set of numbnuts. 
He didn't say that, really. I made that up. And he said, everywhere I send you, I will have a problem there. And are y'all getting this? We've been sitting in church all of our life, and we're void like the devil. Talking to anybody that's not like us. Are you faith in word? No, I ain't hanging around you. Why are you ever going to help them if you don't start hanging around some heathen? Can I tell you all a story? I like to go shoot guns because I like hanging around sinners. Come on, at least I know where they're coming from. And they finally will find out I'm a pastor. And they'll ask me a completely stupid question. And one of them said something one day about holy crap. I'm just, I'm just talking. Y'all, y'all, y'all mature enough? That's the, that's the baddest word I'll say all night, sir. And they looked at me and realized there's a pastor among them. And they said, I guess that's what the Pope does. Now, now y'all understand, God is leading me to talk about Jesus. I know y'all can't handle this, but if you get out of this church sometimes and quit being so religious, God might use some of you. So when he said that, I turned to him and I said, yeah, if he was saved. And they said, well, oh, heck. I thought he was a Christian. I said, that doesn't mean he's a Christian. And by now, I got a dozen men standing there and looking at me and wanting to explain what you just said. This started off really crude. You don't get offended because you're around heathens act like heathens. Oh, boy. So I stood there for a minute and read, and I just quoted John 3, 16 through 21 to him. I said, people don't go to heaven they're, because, you know, they, they, they go to hell. They're spiritually dead. You're dead in trespasses and sins. People don't go to hell. They don't go to hell for sinning and go to heaven for being good. They go, to, they go to heaven for receiving Jesus. Everybody's dead in sin. If the Pope has never received Jesus and made him the Lord of his life, he'll go straight to hell like all the rest of you guys that are standing here looking at me. <laughs> Now, folks, listen, I'm not trying to take up an offering so I can take what I, I can preach what I want to out there. <laughs> and they all went, well, I ain't never heard nothing like that before. And I said, there's a lot of stuff you've never heard before. And, and then, I mean, this goes on a lot where I'm just, they'll stop me and say something. They always something really crazy. I don't want to tell you all the other stuff. Y'all can't handle the conversations I have with sinners. I'm not saying I'm crude. I'm just telling you they are. Okay. Where were we? Todd White remembers where he came from. 
And he's going back out in the streets full of the love of God. Now, Justin, I'm going to tell him your story. Mary Friend said this just the other day, and I'll close with this. The key to miracles is, is love. I'm, I'm going to tell you how you know someone is praying for you. When they pray for you with their heart, they can't talk bad about you. And they love you. And when people are ugly to you, they're not praying for you. That's how you connect with people. You start praying for lost people, the Holy Spirit will connect you with them. Amen. You're not seeing enough miracles. Start praying for sinners. Start praying for people. Your prayer is love reaching out to that person and asking God for grace and mercy in their life. I'm, I'm, you, may not, you may not agree with what I'm about to say. A sinner is damned. He's damned. So he's not seeking God. That's why you have to pray for him to have a hunger or even think about God because he's not praying. That's love. Oh, that guy was a dirty mouth. Sure he's dirty mouth. Sure he is. He's lost. What do you think you're out there for? To bring some love to the sinner. You're praying for them. There's going to be a connection between you and them. Anyway, I had another one here and I'm, I'm running out of time. But in the book of Acts, let me just show you this. Acts 4, 23. It was a new way to pray. We have a new season, a new breed, and a new way to pray. There's a lot of books written on you receiving. That's, not, that's fine. But where you guys are getting stumped is the prayer meetings we're having, and they're not for you. That's, you, don't, you don't pray the same way for other people than you do for yourself. That is why you have to have Holy Ghost prayer meetings. There's not a scripture about JoJo. I mean, we can pray the word. Boy, I'm, I, I, I didn't lose y'all, did I? Because when we start talking about the Holy Ghost, you're going to want to revert back. Well, that's not the way we taught in the Word. I, I know. The Holy Ghost is not going to take you away from the Word. But there are things that are not in the Word. I could, I could, I'm out of time, but I could stand here for the next hour and tell you story after story. Let me just tell Justin's real fast, and then I'll let Justin come up later. When Kevin and Leslie were having their meeting in Daytona Beach, he was talking to a security guard at night who definitely was not born again. Justin's talking to him about Jesus. He's doing everything 
the, he's learned from his mom and dad in this church in the word. He, he's doing it right. But he's not connecting. And so the Holy Spirit gave him a dream about Justin was being stabbed with a knife. So Justin went back and said, you ever stabbed with a knife? And the guy looked at him and said, yes. Opened up his shirt and told the story. And through the dream, he led the guy to the Lord. I'm trying to get y'all into this. The, the biggest hindrance that I'm going to have in the next move of God is going to be y'all. Because you want to stay where we are. And I'm not, I'm not saying leave it. I'm not saying it's no good. I'm not saying that. Don't go out here and go, well, well he is talking to where we're no longer a faith and word church. Yeah, we are. But now we're going to be a faith and word and Holy Ghost church. Because we've got to learn what Peter learned when he walked up to the guy and he says, such as I have, you've got to know what you have and you've got to have something. And, and that's where I think the, God is taking his church. And people who want to stay and win the lost with man-made whatevers. It's expensive to entertain you. And something you'll probably never see that I will do is have a Christmas cantata with Jesus and a cross and a donkey in order to draw the masses in here. Because I don't really want to clean up the carpet after a donkey comes down because they just don't. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying that there's churches who, it, it, that's kind of their flavor. We're going to, it's, it's Disney World on steroids with Jesus added to it, the sauce. <laughs> I want to hear Rosa tell about Honduras. I want to hear Justin talk about the security guard. I want to hear you coming in here and going, oh my God, Pastor, you, you, you know what you've been told. This week, I, the, oh, Pastor, I, that's, that's what I think this church is. Yeah. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen here in church. It does. But, but a lot of you guys are getting people saved before they ever come. Amen. I mean, I'm going, you need to get saved? Ah, oh, they already got me. Well, they met me at the door before I got in here real good. Got me born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. What was that, usher? Yeah, one of your ushers grabbed me out there. I mean, hell, glory to God, I'm healed now. Hallelujah. And so it's frustrating to me giving an altar call and ain't nobody getting saved because you guys are getting them all in the foyer before they get in here. This is a good little church. Are y'all ready to move on a little bit and go on out there? And This is, where I, this is what I'm praying about. I, I think our best days are ahead of us. I think God's starting to train us. And what Brother Hagin said, if we don't learn this, a generation will lose it. Amen? Okay, I'm out of time, way out of time. I'm six minutes over and 27 seconds. Want to pray? Heavenly Father, what a great joy it was to walk in here tonight and just open up the Bible and preach this. It, it, to me, it's something I've been looking at in the Word, and I can see it. It's so plain. There's a season. There's a season upon us. 
Mary Frances has talked about it, and I believe that there's a harvest in the earth that the church is, is to reap. I, th- I think that we're in the very, very beginnings of it. I think Samson was a type of the church, and I think the best days of the church are ahead. I heard a prophecy, and I wished I had it, Father. I really wished I could get it, about members of churches cleaning out hospitals in the last days. I, I believe it. I, be- I believe it. I believe we will see people, younger, especially this younger generation, just like Todd White, when they go out, they're, they're serious. They're, they're not just handing someone a trap. I mean, they're honest to God getting them healed and filled with the Holy Ghost and saved and delivered from all kinds of stuff, whether it's street or work or wherever we go. I believe you're changing the emphasis back to the harvest. And I think it's time that we changed our church back it became a whole lot more, we love you, and you identify with the world. And I think it's time for us to start showing you our love by, what, by the way we're treating those around us and, and ministering the Word of God. And, and, it's, and so I want to say, Father, it's this way. It's the Holy Spirit through us now. No longer just on us, but through us now. We've entered a season of the Holy Ghost using us. Not just falling on us and not just speaking in tongues, but but a very strong move. And I believe it's, I believe Bible schools are changing. I believe that Karis has picked up on this. I know that Rama's picking up on it. I know that there's, there's Bible schools, Father, around the nation that are no longer interested in just a doctorate. But they're interested in producing fruit. The, the people going out and watching people saved, healed, delivered. And, I, and Father, there's a, lot more, there's a lot more to do. We're just scratching the surface right now. But I'm asking you to use me, and I pray that the people in this room right now would pray this with me. Father, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to be used by you. I'm ready to have you, like Ananias in the middle of the night, wake me up. I'm, I'm ready, like Philip, go to the city of Samaria. I'm ready, Papa God. I'm ready, Heavenly Father. Because there's people everywhere, people you died for, people you loved. And Father, our prayer meetings were going to begin to change also. They're going to be a whole lot more about the lost than about us. And you do love us, yes, but we're the healed. We're the healed. Now it's time for the healing power of God to not come on us, but to flow out of our hands and out of our bodies into the bodies and limbs and legs and eyes of people around us. And I believe this is the season we've entered into. And I grasp it and I pray that, that we would grab it and, and, and get a vision of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.